This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Taking Torah. Uh, no, 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 do you Torah take it? You don't take it. Two pills of Torah a day. No antibiotics. No. Okay. We are now uh, discussing a pa- page one one five. Torah. That's cute. Sorry, a little bit before that, I skipped. One oh seven. One oh seven. Yep, I guess so. That's why I did. One oh nine. Sorry. No, 107, you're right. Oh boy, you guys, you guys ahead of me. <laughs> Page 107, and we know there's a very famous Chavitz Chaim. There's a story about the Chavitz Chaim who was once on a train. And he was going somewhere. What's the topic today? Pardon? What's the topic today? The topic today is being upbeat. Upbeat. The topic today is being happy and upbeat. And how do we do that? And the answer is that the words that we say to ourselves and the way we tell other people, the words we talk, talk about other, ourselves and the words we use to talk about other people. And some people are always very positive and some people are always very negative. Oh, yeah. And being negative is a very bad trait. Mm-hmm. And I had a conversation with someone yesterday. And they were talking negatively about this one and that one. I said, why are you saying this? I said, well, it's true. Well, that's the definition of Lashonara. It's true and it's bad. It's true is a definition. If it wasn't true, it would be Motsi Shemra. Motsi Shemra is saying bad lies about something. So it's true. It doesn't make it, doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right. Motsi Shemra is even worse than Lashonara. It's false. It's lies. It's bad and it's false. It's bad enough to be bad and good, but it's bad and false even worse. <laughs> so uh, it's libel, basically. It's saying something false about someone. So, Rechilut is just telling tales. It doesn't have to be bad. It can be, any, can be good as well. You, I saw your friend here, and I saw your friend there, and I saw this one. That's gossip here. That's lower. Gossip is a lower level, but it's a worse level, which is a person who is a Baal Rechilut. A person, that's all they do all day is gossip. Gossip monger. That's the worst. Okay, so, the Habit Chaim is on the train. He's on the train, and someone is ta- talking about He's so excited because he's going to see the great Chavitz Chaim. The guy next to him is jumping on his seat. <laughs> says, why, are you so, why are you so excited? He says, I'm going to see today. I'm going to get off at this stop. I know the Chavitz Chaim is coming to town. I'm going to see the great Chavitz Chaim. Chavitz Chaim says, what's so great about the Chavitz Chaim? <laughs> he didn't know it was Chavitz Chaim. <laughs> Chavitz Chaim says, what's so great about this Chavitz Chaim? He's not, he's a regular man, man. He's like you and me. And the guy smacked him. Said, How could you dare talk about the Chavitz Chaim? He's the Gadlador, he's the great gener- of the generation, he's the leader. Chavitz Chaim kept quiet, and he got off at the stop, and everyone comes to the train, everyone's waiting over him, the crowds of people, and the guy's looking, he says, Who are you greeting? So we're greeting the Chavitz Chaim, he says, Where? He said, the man, the man I sat next to on the train, <gasps> I hit him on the, I slapped him. <laughs> So he goes to rabbi, he said, please forgive me, I'm sorry, I didn't know it was you, I'm, I'm sorry. So Chaim says, you taught me a new law. It was a new law. You're not even, you shouldn't even speak bad about yourself. So a person should not even speak bad about themselves. A person should speak positively even about themselves. And it depends. So especially when people are around, you speak bad about yourself, then people are going to believe you. Say, hey, he said himself that he's no good and he's this and he's that. So that is a, a very important idea, not to speak bad. Uh, and try and find the positive in everything. And every cloud has a silver lining. We always have to try and find the positive in everything, which is very hard to do. So uh, we know this famous phrase of Gamzulatuba, Nachamish Gamzulatuba. 
Um, there's a story in the Talmud of a group of uh, rabbi and his students are walking down the street and they see a dog's carcass. <coughs> a, a carcass of a dog. Oh. And they see that's a mod, a caliph. And uh, the students think, <laughs> smells, disgusting, disgusting. And the rabbi said, Yeah, but look how white his teeth are. <laughs> so it's just to find something positive to say. Ugh. Just to say, just to find something positive. <coughs> so. <laughs> so even about people, you can find something positive. Maybe by his nice white teeth. He's a nasty person, but look what how nice his teeth are. So, so words are very powerful. Words are very powerful. They change our body's chemistry. The words we use. Happy people use words which are happy. And sad people use words which are sad. So that's a very important key. When a person's already in a joyous state, it's automatic. When, you, when you're happy, you say good things. You say happy things. And it's very important to give good pronouncements about people. Say, this guy's good. Everything's going to be great. And this person's going to be great. And this person's going to be good. It's always important to say positive things. And uh, you can tell a person's mental state by what they're saying. So if they're saying happy things, they're in a happy state, usually. And if they're not in a happy state, they're going to be in a happy state because they're saying happy things. When a person starts saying nasty things and mean things, uh, that's what kind of state they're in. So it's very important. And the usage of these words improves a personal state. So we're very important to improve our state by the words we use. So a person should have favorite words. It's important, important to talk about this. That we should make certain things our favorite words. And he gives a list of favorite words. Number one, it's wonderful. Oh, make that part of your dictionary. Wonderful. I'm excited. Wonderful. Excited. I'm happy. One of the most amazing things about so-and-so and so-and-so. Well, that was terrific. Great. You know, I have a rabbi, he's always, his word, his main writer is great. How's everything? Great. How's this? Great. Everything's great. Oh, magnificent. That's amazing. Okay. Amazing. Great. Um, unbelievable. Okay. So, there's a nice list of words to remember. So, you go home and the kid comes home from school. How's your day? Great. Fantastic! It was great. You mean amazing? It was an amazing day. It's every day is amazing. It's an amazing day. Unbelievable day. Wow. So it's a very it's very important to be positive, and this applies everywhere a person is in your workplace, in your home, everywhere you are. If you're upbeat, people around you will become upbeat. So it's very important. You can be the locomotive to pull everyone else along. So a person says, you know, I felt like celebrating when I heard the wonderful news. I'm feeling better all the time. So how are you? I'm feeling better every day. I feel every day I feel better. Everything every day I feel better. That's a beautiful idea. Brilliant. So look at all these great ideas a person can have of what to say, words to say. Remember these words. Amazing, great. Some words are much easier to remember than others. The words which you like, those that's who you are. The words you like, that's who you are, that's who you can become. So that's remember person the words they use. That's who you are and that's who you become. The words we use, that's who we are and that's who we become. Very, very important idea. So, uh, sometimes a person might say, I would have preferred if things were different. So that's, that's lighter than saying it's terrible and bad. You can always say, I prefer, it's a very nice way of saying it. I prefer something is different. It will be for good. It will be better. Things are good. <coughs> Now we come to chapter 39, which is very, very important and so hard to do. This is really critical. This is really the hardest thing to do, and that is Ezehu Gibor HaKoveshet Yitzro. And we have to realize who is a mighty person, the person who controls themselves. The hardest thing we can do is put control oneself. 
And there's a very famous pasuk. He doesn't bring it down. It's good to write this pasuk down. I wrote it down on top. It's from Mishle. Shlomo Melech writes in Mishle, uh, chapter 16, verse 32. In Mishle, he says, To be slow of anger is better than a mighty person. <coughs> a person can control their anger. It's very hard to control anger. Sometimes a person gets really mad. And it welds up inside. It's like a fire that's ready to blast out. And a person controls it. It turns off the switch of the fire. It's amazing. It's so hard to do. It's so easy to talk about, but hard to do. Turn off the switch of the fire. And that's it. That is a that's a gibor. That's greater than a gibor. That's greater than the strongest person in the world. The person can switch off the temper. That's greater than the mightiest person in the world. Wow. And a person who controls their spirit, a person who controls themselves, is greater than a person who can conquer a city. Who is greater? A person who can conquer a city. Tov Erech Apayim Megibor. Erech Apayim Megibor. Is a vic- capture? capture. Trap. trap, yeah. Loked ear, to trap, trap a city. It's greater to be control oneself than control other people, in other words. So you see these big dictators, North Korea, uh, Iran, other people, and they can control other people, they can't control themselves. So they get angry, they get upset, they get uh, disturbed. So self mastery uh, really is the key to happiness. People don't realize that. Because a person feels bad inside, they're not going to be happy. How do you feel bad inside? A person can't control themselves. A person says, I have no self-esteem because I can't control myself. So part of self-esteem is the idea that I can, I'm in control. That's self-esteem. But a person who says, you know what, I can't control myself, my impulses, then I can't, I don't have the strength of character. If I have no strength of character, I don't respect myself because I have no strength of character. Okay. Can you just repeat the Hebrew? Sure. Tov erech megibor. Get that? Tov erech megibor. beruho. Meloked ear. Meloked ear. A person who conquers the city. So, no. Moshe Brucho. It's a very powerful statement. Shlom Melech says. But if you control your anger, sometimes you don't feel well. You're right. But so that's, not, that's, not really, that's, that's bottling it up. But that's not really oh, putting out the fire. Up, you right. can bottle up your anger, or you can put out the fire. Right? You can lock up the fire and in one room you can contain it. There's two ways of putting out fires. You can contain the fire, but it's still going. The fire's still burning, but it's burning inside you, though. That's trouble. Most of the time. And that's a terrible thing. Yeah. Why? Because then a person really feels consumed by it. Yeah. So a person feels inside. They're always bearing grudges and always thinking bad things about the other person. They didn't say anything. They didn't do anything. But it's bottled up inside them. Mm-hmm. The best technique is to actually put out the fire and yeah. not to feel even... And how do you do that? So a person's got to work on themselves. A person's got to work on themselves. Musar, that's what we're doing now. Right. It's called self-mastery. Learn how to switch off that fire. Sometimes you tell a person huh? off and you feel Faith in Hashem. Exactly. Okay. So here we are. Trust in God. A person trusts in God. I'll say a person trusts in God. So listen, I'm not worried about this. God will take care of it. But you know what? A person shouldn't say that. <laughs> Push and say God will take care of so and so. But it was all meant to be. Okay. Whatever meant to be, whatever it is, this is my tikkun. My tikkun, this is the way Hashem wants to see if I'm fixed inside or not. This is a good test for me. It was a test. Let's say yeah. So we know Avraham Avinu had ten trials at least, and we, we also have trials. Every day is another trial. Every day is another trial. And the biggest trial is am I gonna get angry or not? Am I gonna get angry or not? That's the biggest trial. And sometimes a person doesn't say anything, but they get really angry inside. And they're very dangerous. Those people are very dangerous. 
um, I find the hardest people to deal with are people who bear grudges inside. Because they don't tell you, but they have this grudge inside. And they just keep on going. It doesn't stop. Passive-aggressive. Passive-aggressive, okay. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's self-mastery. Self-mastery is not even bearing it inside. Just turning off that switch completely. Not just containing it, but switching it off. Amazing. That's power. That is tremendous power. And that gives us many opportunities to feel joy. So more a person masters themselves, the more joy they should feel. I control my urge on this. I control my urge on that. I control my urge on this. I feel really good about myself. When a person feels deprived by not giving in to their impulses, it makes it difficult to maintain self-discipline. So sometimes a person says, you know, I'm not going to eat this chocolate cake. But then later on they feel deprived. You know, why didn't I eat it? It was so good, it was so tempting, and everyone else is eating, why didn't I eat it? So then a person says, you know, I feel deprived by not controlling, by controlling myself, so I feel deprived. They're going to burst out, and eventually they're not going to control themselves at all. So it's very dangerous. And the Yisra uses this all the time against us. You control yourself, and look, you're missing out all this fun, and all this thing, and all this thing. You're right. I'm missing out, but you know what? I know it's good for me. I know I'm missing out, it's good for me eventually. So a person's got to find out this technique of learning how to switch off these switches of desire and uh, lack of control. When someone shows physical strength in one form or another, or, you know, people give their competitions, weightlifting competitions and uh, all, the, all the competitions in the Olympics, right? Basically, it's all physical. But where's the spiritual? I, was, I really wanted to design an app, you know, on spiritual growth. Now, I've been talking about it for a while, but uh, I couldn't find a guy to do it for me. I need to find a guy. If you know anyone who can design an app um, of, of spiritual growth. So this way, every time a person passes some kind of spiritual test or a test of self-discipline, um, then uh, we can uh, put something in there. He puts it into his app, and this way he gets points. He gets a little reward. And this way they can feel, a person should feel good. And he talks about, in this book, he talks about keeping a journal. Keep your own journal, your diary. I, I succeeded in this and this and this and that today. I control myself with this and this and this. And you see people on the, on the road. They go berserk. It's called road rage. They go berserk. They can't control themselves. Um, and sometimes you provoke, you provoke them. <laughs> you provoke, provoke road rage. But it's terrible because they go and they smash the windows. You see them getting out. They can't control themselves. They're totally berserk. Um, or they can't control their drinking. They can't control their habits. They can't control anything. And they destroy themselves, basically. Self-destruction, because they can't control themselves. So every time a person does a little small thing of self-mastery, a person says, you know, I'm tired, and then I'm going to get up anyway. Self-mastery. I'm hungry, but I'm going to control myself. First I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to eat. That's self-control. And that's what Judaism is all about. Judaism starts off with these small lessons of self-control. So can you imagine the kid is in bed, and the parents say, it's time to get up for shul. But I'm tired. Leave me alone. No, you get up. My father used to wake me up. Every issue about my father used to wake me up. And until I eventually got into it myself. But basically, a kid is not really into it, unless kids are very special. My brother was into it. Very spiritual. From a very young age. But some kids are not like that. And most kids are not. Most kids are not spiritual at a very young age. It's the opposite. Um, But that's the parents' job, is to get them to be spiritual. How do you get them to be spiritual? The answer is you make them do it. You make them do it until they appreciate it. And eventually, hopefully, they'll get to appreciate it. So that's something which we have to learn. That's a mastery of oneself. And then a person says, you know what, now I'm going to wake myself up, even though I don't want to wake up. I want to get myself up. I'm going to go to shul early. I'm going to clap to tefillah. We see people over here coming. Some people come very early and on time. And most, 
Like Eretz Let's be positive. They're not there yet, put it that way. They're, they're working on it. They're working on it. People are working on it. Coming earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people come 11.30. Some people come 12. <laughs> they come. They come. They come for lunch. Yeah. Okay. But it's a, it's, a, it's a slow process. It's a slow process. But eventually a person's going to get a, a taste for it. Ta'amu rukitov Hashem. David Amelach says, Ta'amu, taste and see how good Hashem is. We have to taste it. A person's going to taste it. Only after tasting and trying and then liking it and then the person will get into it. There's Radishim. But every time a person has a little victory in terms of mastering a trait, mastering this, mastering the controlling themselves, they should cherish their achievement. And this achievement I want to cherish, I want to make a part of today. Why? I control myself. Well, amazing. I was really was going to blast my... My temper was going to blast out, but I control myself. And a person should pat themselves on the back and say, wow, this is amazing. You would like to eat something which is not healthy for you. Feel empowered for not eating it. The same applies to maintaining any form of diet that you keep, you're keeping for your welfare. Uh, you have a strong craving for a cigarette. It's amazing to see people, you know, it's, you see less and less Baruch Hashem because less public smoking. But I remember before Shabbat, the guy sitting outside smoking like three or four cigarettes because of Shabbat. Just for Shabbat. Because he knows he's got to stop for 24 hours. I don't know. And that's something for the, rat, the people are studying today. The, the professors can't understand how they turn off for 25 hours. How the, you know, the you craving cigarettes. It's amazing how, how to stop it for Shabbat. It's amazing. It's amazing how you can stop it. The only reason you wanted Shabbos was to be over, was to get the cigarettes. Right, right. Now that it's long, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, it just makes it Perfect amazing. I'm just saying how empowering it feels just to be able to turn off for that 25 hours. So every time a person wants to feel like something which is dangerous for their help and they move their hand away from it, they should feel intense joy. You chose life. It's a mitzvah in the Torah. You choose life. And that's a tremendous mitzvah, and that's something which a person should feel joy about. You feel anger towards someone. You like to insult them. Oh, boy. And you stop saying, you stop yourself saying that bad word. And that a person should feel tremendous joy for, for mastering that. You know a piece of gossip. You really want to say it. And he controlled it. Oh, that's so hard. It's so hard. Feel the pleasure of having this self-mastery. Someone asked you to do them a favor. But you know, this person refused you a favor before. And you don't really want to do them a favor. And the person says, you know what, I'm not going to bear a grudge. I'm going to do the favor. The person should feel joy that they acted above their inclination. <coughs> you cause someone success, distress. And you have an obligation to apologize. It's so hard to apologize, boy. So that apology, a person should feel good about apologizing about it. So it's good, he says, to keep a self-mastery journal. Write down every act of self-mastery. It's good to have this app. I can't wait. I need to make this app. You know, self-mastery app or spiritual growth app. Okay, we're moving on to uh, chapter 40. And uh, chapter 40 is interesting. If you've ever seen a sports game, it's crazy. I went to one sports game in my life, I'm not going to go again. That's it. When I was a kid, I was taken by one of my cousins to a football, a soccer game in, in London. They call it football over there. And uh, there's a team they, they call the Jews. Uh, the, the, the going called them the Jews because it's in a Jewish neighborhood. And uh, I don't know why they call them the Jews, but not, not a single member of the team is Jewish, but a lot of supporters. <laughs> so uh, I went to that uh, game, and you see, and in, in England it's very, very basic. People are just standing in the stalls. But they're dancing, and they're jumping, and they're screaming. Oh, God, machinists. Okay. And they're drinking. But sometimes they're really happy. You know, when, when they score a goal, they go wild. They go crazy. They're happy, and they're... How does a person tap into that? Boy, how does a person feel that kind of happiness? I don't 
Isn't that a good question? Yeah. Huh? It's a very good question. But when they lose, then people get... Of course. The opposite. That's the opposite. Okay, fine. I'm not talking about losing. I'm talking about winning. I'm talking about happiness. So that they feel that. Externally, they feel really that good. greatness. They, they feel, feel that... Yeah, it's amazing. See, you see the whole... It's the whole town celebrating. Yeah. You know, the whole team wins and the mm-hmm. town celebrates. But it doesn't last because mm-hmm. they were like top ten. It lasts till the next morning. Yeah. The, next morning. Yeah. the glow is there. The glow lasts. Yeah. They get drunk and then they have the hangover. And then <laughs> yeah. But I'm um, just saying, but look at them when they're happy. Yeah. How do you tap into that? When does a person really feel happy like that? How, does, how do we Jews feel that kind of happiness? If you're not, Whatever happiness huh? you can have. But you get to that level of happiness where they're really jumping and dancing and... Right. It's amazing. So out, huh? Simchat Torah. It's the only day we have. That's right. Yeah, I've never been, but okay, that's it. Okay. For a wedding, that makes a wedding. Wedding. That's right. That's right. Right. That's our. That's our victory. That's a victory. A Jewish wedding is a victory. Thank God. That's a victory for Jewish survival. And when a child is born, that's really that's the time for us to really jump for joy. Really. So think about a sports victory, right? They cheer, they shout, they celebrate. The endorphin levels of the blood go up. Their faces radiate joy. Their voices are jubilant. Amazing. You too can experience this regularly when you master the ability to rejoice and celebrate at will. That is amazing. That a person can turn on the celebration, you know. And that's hard to do. A person's got to feel this, uh, the joy bubbling up inside that you can tap into anytime you want. Amazing. A person can just burst into song anytime they want. It's amazing. So that's really a, a gift a person has to have. A person to try and get into that gift. That a person can yell and shout and dance anytime they want. That's being ecstatic anytime a person wants. So how do you person do that? And the answer is keep a list of your victories and celebrate your victories. Celebrate the victories you have every life. Every achievement and success is a victory you could cherish for a lifetime. Learning how to read was a victory. Learning how to write was a victory. Doing the difficult things is a victory. Overcoming personal handicaps is a victory. Feeling joy for the joy of others is a victory. Acting in an elevating manner towards someone who does not interact with you the way you want is a victory. Transcending an insult is a victory. Wow. A lot of victories. But I've got to try and celebrate these victories. We all have victories in life. They're small things, but they're big things. Realizing these acts of self-mastery are victories will fill your life with opportunities to rejoice. All right. So sometime during each day, a person should say, what victory can I celebrate today? What is my victory today? What do I do today that I can celebrate today? <laughs> there may be days where it will take more creativity to find a victory. The fact that you guys are here is a victory. That's right. It's an amazing victory, yeah. Don't and, nag your children. And that is exactly why seeking victories to celebrate is so powerful. That's a big victory. Don't nag your children. Okay. <laughs> why? It's a mitzvah. Nag <laughs> <laughs> your kids. Right? You have to know when to stop, right? Yeah, you have to know when to stop. That's a victory as well. Okay, let's move on to chapter 41. And uh, there's a beautiful pasuk psalm in Psalms chapter 100. You know, it's a shame. There's one thing which is missing from this book is the uh, psukim. That someone should write psukim. He should, I should write him a letter and say, you know, you should write some verses, the source, the source material for what you're saying. Right. He's not giving any Jewish underpinnings over here. But uh, there's a pasuk in Tehilim. I wrote down the psalm. It's Psalm 100, uh, verse 2. Ivdu et Hashem b'Simcha. Everyone knows this. Ivdu et Hashem b'Simcha became a song. Ivdu et Hashem b'Simcha. Serve Hashem with joy. David Amelach says, "Vegilu bir Ada," and rejoice with trembling. Amazing, very amazing, powerful, very powerful. Ivdu et Hashem b'Simcha. Vegilu bir Ada. Amazing, amazing uh, verse. Amazing verse. 
Um, so the rabbis explained this is a simcha shel mitzvah. Whenever you do a mitzvah, you should feel joy. And a person should feel joy when doing a mitzvah. It's so hard to feel that joy when you do a mitzvah. A person does a mitzvah, they should do a mitzvah with joy. So it's, that's the part, it says, the, the, the Mesilat Yishayim we learnt uh, in, the, in the Guides of the... Perplex? Or is it? Not the Guides of Perplex, what's called the Path of the Just. The Path of the oh. Just, he says, the value of a mitzvah with joy is a thousand times the value of a mitzvah without joy. Imagine the same mitzvah with joy, it's a totally different thing. Totally different experience. Totally different way Hashem looks at the mitzvah. Hashem wants that joy. Hashem wants that happiness when you do the mitzvah. That's, that's very powerful. So in, if you do Hashem b'simcha, a person should serve God with the joy. A person should serve God with, with happiness. Rabbi, yes? This is a really nice um, differentiation between the happiness of, of the Jews versus the yes. nations. Because Could you speak up? Get, I can't hear you. We don't go and get drunk, but we do ra'adah, we do interpretation. I mean, there's, there's holiness or there's, there's yes. boundaries even in our happiness. The new year, new year. How do you celebrate your new year and how do you celebrate your new year? So, so I watch the ball drop. <laughs> I'm waiting for the ball to drop. And then we have a big party. Oh boy. Or I'm in, I'm in shul hearing the shofar. I'm waiting for the ball to drop, my penny to drop in my head. So I'll do teshuva. That's, the, that's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> so is it fixing yourself or is it just playing around? So that's the rabbi. It's called Simcha Shel Holelut. Holelut. They call it Holelut. Holelut, which is just... No reason to joy. There's no real reason. No rhyme or reason. Just jumping around, jumping around. Crazy. So that's the answer. The answer is, that's what the Gemara says, when you, when you pray, before you pray, you have to be in a happy state. How do you get to a happy straight state? So the Gemara says, you've got to learn Torah before that. Learning Torah makes a person happy. How do we know? There's a Pasuk. What's the Pasuk say? Pasuk. <laughs> Which one? Yisharim. How does it go? Pikudei Hashem Yisharim. Pekudei Hashem Yisharim. The commandments of God are Yisharim, are straight. Misam Chelev. They make your heart happy. Which person? Which one is that? It's in Psalms. It's Tehillim. I know. You don't know which one. I'll look it up. <laughs> yeah, I know. I wish I knew everything off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah. I can get it. Pekudei Hashem Yisharim. The commandments of God are straight. Misam Chelev. They make the heart rejoice. And that's why it's on Tisha B'Av. We're not allowed to learn Torah. Only the sad parts of the Torah. Interesting. We're not allowed to learn Torah. Most Torah is happy. You learn Torah, it's happy. So before a person prays, they should learn some Torah to make them happy. It's amazing. What is happiness? We see happiness is a spiritual thing. It's not a physical thing. And that's a big danger people make. People make uh, that by getting something material, I'm going to make myself happy. By eating something good, I'm going to make myself happy. No, it doesn't work like that. It's a spiritual thing. If you learn Torah, you get happy. Why? It's the uplifting of the soul that makes a person happy. That's the part people forget. It's the uplifting of the soul. So that's why when you, when you do a good deed, your soul gets an uplift and you feel good. It's the uplifting of the soul inside which makes a person happy. And that's why today's society is so miserable. Because they have all the physical things and it's not making them happy. You know the famous story of the, the man who went to the psychologist and he says, I'm really depressed. Can you make me happy? The psychologist says, wow, you know, there's a, there's a great circus across the street. And there's an amazing clown over there. Just go and see the clown and you'll be so happy. And the guy says, I am the clown. <laughs> it's, a very, it's a true story. I can't remember the name. It's a very famous clown. And um, so <laughs> he can make the whole world happy, but he can't make himself happy. Okay. And that's, that's the tragedy. And the, the reason is because happiness is not what people think. Happiness is not because of physicality. 
Happiness is not because of materialism, even though materialism is uh, good in terms of it's a basics. You have to have your basics, but it doesn't really make you happy. It gives you comfort, but not happiness. The difference between comfort and happiness that people get confused with. So a person can be comfortable, but they can't. They're not. Doesn't make them happy. Uh, a lot of Americans are comfortable, but we're not happy. So the reason is because happiness is not a physical thing. It's a it's a spiritual thing. That's a very big, a very important thing we have to tell people. It's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. So how do you become happy? And the answer is, because Hashem Yisharim, the commandments of God are straight. They make a person happy. David Amenach says, when you learn Torah, you feel in a different wavelength. You're in a really different wavelength. And here is now, he gives us an effective technique to create joy. Okay. So we have many reasons for experience happiness. Number one, we're alive. Number two, we're breathing. That's a thank God for that, right? We can breathe. Number three is our brains are functioning. Thank God for that. I mean, if you see people whose brains are not functioning, it's terrible. If you're not happy right now, then in one form or another, your brain is limiting you emotionally. Oh, wow. Ha- not being happy is being limited by the brain, emotionally limited by the brain. Use your imagination to enable you to be in a state that you ought to be in. It's great. It's like Walter Mitty, right? If you read the book about Walter Mitty. Everyone heard about Walter Mitty, right? Um, they, he was living in his own dream world, right, basically. And sometimes you've got to use your imagination. That's why God gave us imagination. Imagine a person in the worst place, how do they keep themselves going? You're in solitary confinement, in a jail somewhere, how does the person keep going? The answer is using the imagination. Thank God for imagination. So that's an effective technique to create joy. There's a great rabbi, I tell you, Yaakov Galinsky. Have you heard of him? Amazing, amazing. Um, he, is, he was amazing because he uh, ran away, in, he was in Germany, in Poland, right? So he goes from the Polish side, the, the German side, and he goes into the Russian side. And straight away they put him in Siberia. <laughs> That's how he survived. <laughs> so he survived Siberia. How did he survive Siberia? It's amazing. And they tell you, when you put a sentence to Siberia, you're not going to get out of here alive. So it's amazing. So, And two years later he gets up. Thank God. It's a miracle. He goes to Israel and he starts learning, teaching Torah. Amazing, amazing man. And he's always happy. Always happy. So how? Because the answer is you have to have faith in God. Things are going to get better. Things are going to get better. A person has to have faith in God. And they have to imagine things are going to get better. So imagination that this is your reality. So some people say, how can I fool myself? I'm stuck over here, and how can I imagine something better? How can I even imagine? I'm fooling myself. And the answer is the opposite. Use your imagination to cancel the blockage in your brain. There's a blockage in the brain that will not ha- let a person be happy. Mm-hmm. So a person's got to cancel that blockage in the brain um, and make themselves happy. So a person says to themselves, what would make you happy? A person would say, look, most people answer, if I win the lottery, I'll be really happy. If I win the lottery. You know, Rabbi Rieti has a routine. Let me see if I can remember that routine. Um, he has these two, two English gentlemen talking in the bar. So he puts on this, um, he's a very good actor, this guy, Rabbi Rieti. He's an amazing actor. He puts on this British accent. He says, um, he t- and one guy's talking to the other, and he's saying, you know, he says, he says, uh, I it was, it was amazing. He says, I won the lottery. The guy says, yeah, that's amazing. That's so good. He says, no, terrible. He says, why? He said, bought myself an airplane. He said, you bought an airplane? That's good. He said, no, it's bad. He says, why is it bad? He said, the plane, the, the engine uh, stopped in midair. He said, oh, God, that's bad. He said, no, it's good. He says, good? Yeah, I found myself a parachute. 
I said, if I'm parachute, he said, that's good. He said, no, it's bad. He said, parachute wouldn't open. He said, oh, that's bad. He said, no, it's good. He says, why? Because there's a haystack over there. He said, oh, that's good. He said, no, it's bad. There's a pitchfork sticking out the haystack. He said, oh, that's bad. He said, no, it's good. I missed the, missed the haystack. He said, oh, that's good. He said, no, it's bad. Landed in a grave. So in other words, he says... Sometimes you think something's going to be good, and really it's bad. Sometimes you think something bad, and really it's good. Mm-hmm. So a person says, you know, I can't wait till I get my first job. And then he gets the job, he says, I can't wait till I lose this job. And I get married, I can't wait to get married, he says, I can't wait to get divorced. People get crazy. The whole life is upside down. So the answer is, we have to create our joy. How do we create our joy? The brain sometimes will not let a person enjoy life. It's terrible, there's, a, there's like an emotional blockage in the brain. How does a person get over that emotional blockage? He says, imagine something good. Imagination. So most people think when they win the lottery, they're going to be good. But we know today that 10 years later, they're in a worse state financially than before. It's amazing. How crazy. It's crazy. Most people are in a worse state financially. Number, number one is their marriages break down. Because the first thing they do is get divorced. Uh, number two is their children leave them because they're not sharing their wealth with people. They run around, whatever. And number three is uh, they change. Personally, they change. They, their personalities change in a terrible way. Most of them. And number four is they overspend and they lose their money. So it's... uh, So, but just visualize it. So better than winning the lottery is visualizing and won the lottery. (laughs) Think about a person won the lottery. Every day a person says, you know what? It's great. I won the lottery today. (laughs) But what lottery did you win? But in my imagination, I won the lottery. Everything's imagination. I wouldn't make you happy. Wouldn't make you happy? Good. So what does make you happy? And imagine that thing. Whatever makes you happy, that's it. Imagine them all the time. Just look at their pictures every day and imagine them and think about them. That's That's all you need. That's all you need to make yourself happy. The joy of being alive is greater than the joy of wealth. Boy, a person who's healthy really won the lottery. That's going to think I won the lottery. And there's so many things to rejoice. So a person thinks, you know, what would make me happy? What would make me really happy? If I wrote a book that sold 50 million copies, wow, that would make me happy. So I was going to imagine, imagine that you did. Imagine you heard the publisher calling you up and say, by the way, your, your book is a bestseller. It's 50 million copies. Wow, that's amazing. First, I've got to print them. <laughs> or a person says, you know, I would be joyous if I was awarded a medal of honor in the presence of 100,000 people. You know, one day, a person gets to Shamayim. You don't know. Maybe you won the lottery. Maybe you won the lottery over there. A person doesn't know. It's going to be millions of people watching. This is your life. Oh, boy. It could be very embarrassing. Person goes to heaven and you know they, they play back your life and everyone's watching. That's scary. That's why it's good to teach Yeshiva now. But on the other hand, they can be clapping. Every time a person does a mitzvah, they say, Wow, amazing, they're clapping, everyone clapping. See all the angels you made, all the angels you didn't make, or whatever. Okay, so a person can use the imagination to make themselves happy. That's amazing. That's, uh, we have to use our imaginations more to make ourselves happy. Or even imagine our children. Person says, you know, my child makes me unhappy, miserable. Imagine the child doing well and succeeding at something that's making you really happy. And then now look at the child a different way. <laughs> Say, listen, I'm imagining you in different circumstances. I'm happy. He says, why are you smiling at me all of a sudden? You always very. You always look at me. You frown. Well, I'm using my imagination positively. Okay. Now this is uh, okay. All right, you know what? Uh, next week, next two weeks, I'm going to talk about Pesach. Um, next week, I'm going to focus on uh, Pesach, and that should make us happy. You know, it's interesting. Uh, let me just finish off. Uh, the Rambam tells us a very interesting idea. 
Uh, this is a pasuk which we starting. We say this every day before we wear our tefillin because there's, a, there's there's two paragraphs in the tefillin uh, which most people don't even know because uh, there's there's four paragraphs altogether in the tefillin and uh, two of them are from the Shema. The first two paragraphs are the Shema, and the other two this is not this is not the right book. It's the Shabbat book. But the other two is uh, are from the Kaddish Likol B'Chorch and the Parsha Bo, and the Parsha Bo. And one of the verses says, "Zachorit Yomazeh." Remember this day, "Zachorit Yomazeh." Asher Yitzatem Mitzrayim, the day you came out of Mitzrayim. Remember the day you came out of Mitzrayim. So Rambam tells us, he says, we know that on uh, Pesach night there's a mitzvah of Haggadah, and the mitzvah of Haggadah is based on a verse. The verse says, "Vigadetzalipincha." You will tell your children on this day, saying. You tell your children. Now, what happens if you have no children there? Is there still mitzvah of Haggadah? Mm-hmm. So Ramam says, yes, it's a separate mitzvah. It's the mitzvah of Zachor et Asher Yitzatem Yisraim. Remember this day on which you came out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Remember the day I came out of Egypt. How do you remember something? Isn't that in your mind? And the answer is no. Remembrance is verbal. Since remember the Torah says Zachor, just like Amalek. Zachor Asher Remember what Amalek did to you on the way. Remembering is saying it. Don't forget, that's in your mind. Don't forget is in your mind, but remembering is positive, just like uh, Ramam says, just like Kiddush. Where do we learn the mitzvah of Kiddush from? Zachor et Yom HaShabbat. Remember the Shabbat to make it holy. How do you remember Shabbat to make it holy? You make Kiddush. You have to say the words of Kiddush, that's Zachor. Remembrance is always saying. So how do you remember the day you came out of Egypt? By saying, talking about the story. So Ramah says, when you, when, you, when you have people around you who are your children, you fill the mitzvah of Haggadah. You're saying the Haggadah, really. You're telling your children, that's teaching your children, it's Haggadah. When there's no children around, what do you do? What mitzvah is that? And the answer is remembering for yourself. Telling yourself the story of the coming out of Egypt, and that applies to other people who are not children as well. You're telling them the story, so you're filling it. So he brings down two mitzvot on uh, the night of Pesach, which is one is the mitzvah of Haggadah, telling your children... If you have no children around, what mitzvah are you doing? Zachor de Remember this day which you came out of Egypt. Amazing. Remember the day you came out of Egypt, right? That is really our national holiday. Pesach is Jewish 4th of July. It's the 4th of July. Now, it's interesting. Do you celebrate, can you imagine, celebrating 4th of July before even you left your oppression? You're still living in exile. We are living in exile today. We're still in exile today. We're celebrating our freedom living in a land of exile. How can it be? It's, it's amazing. So, exactly what we said before. How can you be happy when you're living in Egypt? Imagine the Jews are living in Egypt. We have all these bad experiences. We were slaves for, two, for 210 years. We're living in Egypt. For about half that time, we're slaves. How can I be happy? And the answer is they're, they're imagining their freedom now. Now we can imagine what it's like to be free because we're celebrating the fact that the slavery ended and now we have a ticket to go free. But we haven't gone free yet. We're still in Egypt. And the answer is the imagining the freedom. Is there a difference between imagining for it or praying for it? Praying is a hope that things will be better. But yeah, to pray causes you to imagine. The prayer causes you to imagine. Because uh-huh. the, the prayer is like the ticket. The prayer is now, what's going to help me to get into that situation? And the answer is the prayer, Hashem will help me to get into that situation. Now I can imagine it's going to happen. Hashem's going to help me. And that's very critical also in terms of making the prayer come true. The person really believes that it's going to happen. He's looking forward to it and asking, when is it going to happen? I'm imagining it's going to happen. Hashem, I believe in you so much. I'm imagining it already. Well, we Jews are very optimistic. 100%. That explains that being Jewish survival, just like you said, because the government is 
Hundred percent, and that's uh, hope. Uh, so uh, that's emunah and bitachon. Emunah and bitachon are the keys to survival. And the person trusts in God. The person knows there's a God, and trusting God is the next step, which is making it more concrete, making the emunah more concrete. So emunah is, I believe, there's a God. What's God do with me? And the answer is the bitachon is Hashem is my seatbelt. It's my safety belt. Hashem is surrounding me, and that's going to be my next uh, topic tomorrow night in the class on meditation. Very powerful meditation. Um, huh? I was going to say there was just a survey published that showed that Israelis are the 11th happiest yes. people in the world. Yes, wild. Isn't that wild? Are the what? 11th happiest, happiest people in the world. And the 9th healthiest people in the world wow. with all the wars, with all the cigarette smoke. Isn't that amazing? It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Yeah. And in B'nai Brak, they live the longest. Really? And the longest living man in the world is a Holocaust survivor. Right. In Israel, 114 years old. Really? A Holocaust survivor is the longest living man in the world. I mean, a, that's, wow. if you can't see that as a miracle, that's not. What is oh, a miracle? Wow. So in other words, Hashem decides who's going to live long. Hashem decides who's going to live long. That's it. Okay, we're going to stop here and we'll continue. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.